you were helping me honor my mom. Not just yours. Mine too. You brought me here. You gave me a chance. I know I can never repay you. But I can honor you by showing your people, your friends, your, your family, that what you did wasn't for nothing. That it mattered. That it, that it meant something. Because it did. So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna honor you, Carl. Congratulations. You're stuck with us. My next guest filmography includes Barry, Silicon Valley, uh, The Walking Dead as Sadiq. Um, he is known for his unbelievably crafty social media skills. He is actor Avi Nash. Avi, how are you today? <laughs> I'm great, Derek. How are you? <laughs> Good, man. Before I get to the, uh, the, 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 the beef of what I want to ask you, um, I love I – mean, I was kidding because I know you're hard on yourself with your social media skills, but um, you had a, a one that was making me laugh. Um, uh, you had something about uh, – who's that Brazilian player? Neymar? Neymar? How do you pronounce that name? Ne Neymar, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love the World Cup, but versus Mexico – Avi, what's the deal with that? He he acted <laughs> like he was on fire, Avi. Oh man, we you know we could talk about this for twenty minutes. I'm a big uh, I'm a big football player and football fan, and he's just you know he he could stand to be one of the greatest players in the world right now, but his histrionics, as we would call them in in London, are a mess. Um, you know, he's just trying to, to, to draw a foul and draw attention, and it came back and bit him in the ass because when they had that elimination match, the ref would not give them a penalty to save his life. So you get what you get, you know. That's that's what happens. Yeah, you know, people are hard on, you know, soccer slash football players, you know, but it's like, you know, it happens in basketball. It happens in a lot of sports, but, boy, was that over the top if I've ever seen it. Yeah, it does. You know, it, I, I like to say flopping doesn't happen as much in football anymore as it used to. But what happens in the World Cup is you get, you know, really uneven teams because the the whole like Brazilian selection was not made up of players that play with each other all year long, and then they might play, you know, against a team which has one or two players of the top caliber, and so. You know, you've got players flopping around trying to to win any advantage they can because they might not be able to to play at the same level. But you know, when you have a guy like Neymar doing that, who is you know one of the greatest players we have right now, it's just a, it's a mess and it's disrespectful. And FIFA should find the shit out of him for that, and and he should learn because he's he's tarnishing his reputation as a player. You know. Yeah, I mean, I I, I got to be honest. I don't see Ronaldo doing that. There's other players I don't see doing it to that extent, you know. No, you, you'll never, you know, Messi you will never see go down. And that guy gets tackled all day long. Yep, yep. And he takes so much shit for so many things. And he's just such a both, – both of those guys I like watching a lot. I'm not a huge football fan, but I got to tell you, I do love watching the World Cup. It's got this wonderful thing about it. I just – 
I don't know. My, my country, Poland, absolutely choked. But um, who were you rooting for, um, Avi? Was there a spe- uh, specific? Was it Brazil? Uh, well, so my family all roots for Brazil. Um, I, I, I would have. That's sort of our, you know, my, my dad's from South America, and, and that's kind of our sort of country that we would root for. But, you know, I lived in, in Buenos Aires for a while, and and the Argentinians don't pay Messi the respect that, he deserves because he's never won them a World Cup, and and they were very very close uh, four years ago. And I was actually in Brazil for that World Cup, mm. and so I, I rooted for Argentina. But you know that that's a whole other sort of sad sad telenovela that you know we don't even have to get into. So so let's let's get speaking of getting into let's get into what you're about, man. <laughs> I, I was researching your life, and my God. Um, you're the second guest, and I have a, a hockey player coming up that is fluent in like seven languages. So I'm not gonna. I don't usually pluck from IMDb, but when I saw this, I was like taken back. You know, it says that you're fluent in Spanish, Hindi, Urdu, Portuguese, English. How much of that is true? It says you also speak English and French. How much of that is true? How much of that is, you know, uh, maybe a little bit. You know, sometimes they inflate things, is or is that all true? Yeah. Um. Well. You know, I don't know who comes up with these things, but th- that that actually, I guess, uh, I don't know what it says on there, but I speak um, English, Spanish, Hindi, and Urdu. You know, like this, like we're speaking English right now. Wow. Um, my my Portuguese is 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 pretty good, although I've never studied it in any capacity. And um, my French and Italian, I'd say, is is definitely a little bit more than conversational. Like I have. I have no problem sort of going to to Italy or France, and and really, it's not it's not because you know I'm so good at this, but it's because once you learn one, and and I've spoken Spanish, you know, practically my whole life, the other sort of Romance languages fall very easily, you know. And if you you know, I've had a Brazilian girlfriend at a time, and, and Italian, and what you know, you you learn quickly when you have to. That's amazing, man. I mean, I, I could I could conversationally speak Polish, but I don't know how you get into like that's that's amazing. I don't know how somebody does that. I mean, is it is it difficult for you, or is it one of these things you just pick up? You know, it's over time. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's definitely over time. I mean, I think I think a lot of it has to do with growing up, sort of being exposed to different languages, and so so when I grew up, you know, I was exposed to Hindi, I was exposed to Spanish, and. And even though I didn't necessarily speak them as a five-year-old, my ear and my brain was was already kind of storing things away. And then when I started to learn them formally, um, it, it happened very quickly. And then I lived in, you know, I lived in India and I lived in Spain and I lived in, in Argentina. And, and I sort of just then solidified my understanding and my ability to, to converse in those languages. And then, like I, you know, like I said, you, you, you know, you travel and if you get a girlfriend or what, you know, whatever it might be, something that forces you to have to learn how to communicate very quickly. You know, if your girlfriend's really upset at you and she's trying to throw her slipper at you and yelling in Portuguese, you better learn how to speak Portuguese very quickly. (laughs) Uh, You know, I I was researching your life here and I have to believe if given the choice, you'd rather be outdoors doing something, right? You're not, you strike me as the anti-couch potato. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. In many ways, until I get really lazy, and then you can't pull me out of my bed. <laughs> so you're a super bright guy, right? You go to Stanford, honors in math, computer science, and, and last night I'm like, how does how do you Avi make the transition from that to you know what? I'm going to go to London. 
I'm going to go to a, a place that you know focuses on music and dramatic arts. Uh, take me through that transition in your life. Um, I mean, that's a. I, I think on paper it reads, you know, really quickly, but that's really many years of sort of deliberation and and sort of fear and doubt, and then kind of stepping up to the plate and saying, you know, this is what I want to do. Right. Um, I I didn't start acting till I was eighteen, and that began on a dare in in high school, or I guess seventeen. Um, and it was, you know, a friend dared me in high school, and I had an injury, so I couldn't play soccer that year. And, and, uh, you know, I tried out for the play and, and we did the play and it was great fun. And I sort of was, you know, thinking this is a great hobby. And then um, I was lucky enough to get into Stanford. Um, definitely not bright enough to do very, very well there, but but got in and quickly learned, you know, that that I wasn't as good at, you know, math or science or, you know, whatever sort of those traditional subjects had been. Um, in high school, I wasn't, I was the big fish in high school maybe, but I was definitely a very, very, very small fish at Stanford. And mm. so I think I was really searching for what it was that, that I had some, some talent in, or I was good at. And, um, more importantly, if I wasn't good at it, I, I was willing to put in the work to get better at it. Um, and I think acting started to become that thing. And so after freshman year, I, uh, I dropped out. I took an extended leave of absence um, with no real idea of how long that was going to last and kind of through coincidence had a friend who's now a very successful musician, um, Samir Gadia, and he, he sort of one day freshman year had said to me, you know, stop messing around, man. You're going to be an actor, aren't you? Because at the time I was I was uh, I was taking a, a film class and I was you know taking Hindi and I I just sort of was doing all these things that seemed to be pointing towards acting but I was firmly saying no this is just a hobby um, and he actually he's gone on to be this very successful musician and, and dropped out I think the following year or two years later anyway he he sort of dared me and then we had a teacher that knew of an acting school in Bombay and. I'd never lived in India. I'd only visited once, and and I wanted to speak Hindi properly. You know, you're asking how I, how I sort of learned these languages, and so I just took off and I, I moved there for six months and didn't speak a word of English and went to this acting school and and did really well and and found out that that was what I really enjoyed doing, and so that's kind of what began uh, my journey into becoming an actor. Um, but I still had, you know, three years of university left and I went back and completed and, and finished my major in math and architecture and, and then started working. Um, I guess, uh, what am I skipping? I guess after I graduated or before I graduated, I left again and went to Spain, um, sort of for the same reason I went to India, um, to learn Spanish and learn a bit about that culture. And then, uh, after graduation, I moved to South America to sort of do the same for my dad as I did for my mom, which is to go visit, you know, his country and his continent and, and see, you know, where I come from. And then after that, I began acting in Los Angeles. Um, and London came about uh, two to three years after I moved to Los Angeles when I'd already worked on Silicon Valley and I'd already done learning to drive. Um, and actually I was at the Toronto film festival with learning to drive and 
sort of, I guess you could argue that was the, the, the pinnacle of my career to that point. Like, you know, I'd just done this great independent film with Isabel Coichette, who's an amazing um, Spanish director. And I worked alongside Ben Kingsley and Patricia Clarkson and Surya Chowdhury and sort of these great, great actors. And I was at the Toronto Film Festival and everyone is sort of going, oh, you guys are amazing and, and you're just being complimented. And I sort of didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to believe any of it because, uh, you know, it all felt like very serendipitous and, and a bit too lucky. And and so actually while we're at the festival, I started to ask Sir Ben and Sarita and, and Patricia, you know, what what their stories were and, and how they got to where they got to and, and all of them. Um, had trained, you know, whether in the UK or I believe Patricia went to Yale. Um, and so I sort of decided, you know, amidst all the the parties and the press and the glamour of Toronto, that that's what I needed to do. And so probably a week after I got back to Los Angeles, I applied for drama school in the United Kingdom. Um, and I wanted to do theater and I, I, I still want to do theater, but more importantly, I wanted to properly properly train as an actor you know wear blacks every day and and don't think about anything besides acting um for a year and and again i was sort of fortunate enough to get into a really good program at lambda and and that's what i did and i just talked for a really long time so there you go there's some <laughs> no i appreciate that and so you have learning to drive under your belt before you get into lambda correct yeah, yeah, it's very strange. I, I was already working um, as an actor, and, and then I went to drama school. Yeah, I've heard some, I've had a, a couple other guests, I've heard some phenomenal things about Patricia Clarkson. Um, uh, when you work with her, when you work with a Ben Kingsley, um, you must see and, and pick up so much, or, I mean, do you ever find yourself in awe at that point? Uh, you ever, are you ever at the point where it's like, wow, I am with these two top shelf actors? I mean, are you ever in a position where it's like, wow? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think you you sort of go through like these two phases, you know, when you're when you're having to work with someone that that is is that good. You know, the night before my first day of shooting, I sort of called my mom in a bit of a panic. I was walking around Queens. Um, you know, trying to get in the character and trying to do all these things, you know, the night before, because I was just so, so nervous that, you know, the next day I was about to, to work with, you know, Sir Ben Kingsley. And, and my mom kind of just said to me, you know, you, you were good enough to get to this point, you know, you'll be good enough tomorrow. And, and to just do that thing, which you know how to do very well, which is, which is act and play. And so I think, you absolutely are in awe and you are humbled and you're scared and you're nervous because um, these players uh, and these actors and these artists have proven themselves time and time again to be of the greatest caliber. And then I think the second part of that is when you do play with them, um, that all has to fade away because at that moment you both are, are on the same field, you know, you're on the same tennis court and, they happen to hit the ball very, very well, and and what you need to do is just hit the ball back. Right. Uh, I think I think they make you, you know, they make you a much better actor because they're always giving and very creative and very present, and it and it forces you to sort of step your game up and be the same. But at the moment of playing with, you know, with Sir Ben when we would do scenes together, you know, being nervous that he's Sir Ben is is not even a thought because at that time, you know he's my uncle in the movie and we're playing a scene and, 
and you know we're having fun and so it's this it's this great sort of this switch kind of flips um and you and and that's also how you learn i think from a really great actor um or actors like like they are you know from playing yeah i mean last night we went through i went through the movie i loved it a lot it's available on amazon prime now well, it's a very sweet movie and, and what i wanted to ask you so back up a little bit you said at 18 you kind of were dared to kind of do this play did you have a, an affinity for acting or movies before that dare um that's a really good question you know i i don't i i done a <laughs> I think I did a play in sixth grade, maybe. Um, I hadn't done any acting whatsoever. I'd, I'd always been a, an art kid, you know, and was firmly, and still will firmly say, you know, I was an art kid because we never really shed our teenage shells sometimes. So in my teenage years, art kids, drama kids, and band kids are very clear-cut, you know, stereotypes. Mm. Um, so I'm an art kid, was an art kid, went to drama school. But... But movies, uh, I've been watching and sort of digesting and consuming voraciously my whole life. Um, and that's not something I realized until a few years ago. You know, since I was a kid, um, I would sort of, that, that was like something my dad and I would do, um, you know, watch these old Westerns that he grew up watching or, or sort of he would, he would find, you know, um, I remember I was like eight or nine and he sort of said, hey, let's watch you know, this, this is great. And then it was like Eddie Murphy's raw, you know, which, <laughs> which an eight or nine year old should watch. But for him, that was a classic. And so we watched that. And then I, you know, um, back in the days of, of LimeWire and Napster and all these things, I started to like download movies and burn them on the little discs for my family. It was, you know, that was my Christmas present to people for many years. So I, movies have always been, I think, you know, playing in my mind forever um yeah yeah i mean i, I gotta say I, I love you from your work on the walking dead the fact that you just mentioned eddie murphy raw i love you even more um <laughs> uh, people forget like that that's a phenomenal stand-up but they forget the beginning of that starts off like a movie with samuel yeah. ja samuel jackson watching a little you know eddie murphy telling a joke in front of the family but let me ask you so and i, and I wasn't going to say this but because it's it, it sounds like you and your dad kind of had this it reminds me of what my, my father and I have the relationship through movies. What are two or three of the movies that moved you? I know you said Westerns, but what are two of the three that really moved you to a point where like you consider them your favorites or they have a special place in your heart? Oh, um, you know, the, the, the two movies that, that come to mind when, when the, you ask that, which is not going to answer this question in any eloquent way, but, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and, and Gladiator are two films that I've seen. You know, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, I think I have a tally somewhere. I think I've seen it 32 times. Um, and, and those are both movies that, you know, I definitely first saw with my dad. You know, Men in Tights actually, that, that we had gone to Blockbuster when I was a kid to get that, you know, VHS and put that on and, and, you know, my mom, there's, you know, there's a few questionable scenes in there for a five-year-old and she had kind of covered my eyes or my ears or whatever it might be. Um, but those are, those are two movies that for very different reasons, you know, Men in Tights is just a brilliant farce and I think Gladiator is a brilliantly crafted tale. Um, you know, I can watch those movies any day of the week and, you know, any, I, I might watch them in five minutes right, right now. 
Yeah, and everyone has those movies. Like, I, I wore away three VHS tapes watching the Shawshank Redemption, right? So everyone has that go-to movie they love. Yours is Robin Hood Men in Tights. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's not a, you know, it's not a, it's not a Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a great, it's a great film. So belated congrats on being, seri- uh, being this was in May, being um, given the series regular status. That's a big thing. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's been um, a great sort of uh, step, I think, in in me being able to tell Sadiq's story. You know, I get I get to do a bit more than I got to do last year, and and it's also quite nice to um, have that added responsibility to the storytelling and to the Walking Dead universe. So I've been very fortunate to. Um, to be able to take that step this year. So thank you. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, I've had many of your castmates on, and I'm going to tell you that's something that's hard. To, it's, it's not, it's not something they give out very easily. It's something that's very special, you know, and for those that don't know being series regular, that's, that's a pretty, spe- it, it's an honor, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that very much. So. And one, one of the things I love about Sadiq Avi is that he could fit in any season. Like you could have put him in season one, two, three, four. You can't say that for all characters. So I, you know, there's unique stories about how everybody's gotten their part on this show, right? You know, they read for one part, they get another. Uh, talk a little bit about your your um, way to find your way into this role, what happens, and and how it unfolds for you. Um. Well, the that's that's an interesting question. I guess for me, the the key into finding Sadiq was um was Carl, really. Um, and I, I think it was, I think it was working with, with Chandler, um, and seeing, uh, because I didn't know anything about Walking Dead really. And the backstory that I was given and that I started to develop was important, but also, um, you know, Scott Gimple had said to me that the beauty of the show is that all these characters have these great backstories, but what really drives them forward is their humanity now and how they're dealing with the situations um, that that are occurring right now in this sort of apocalyptic, terrible, terrible world, and the the decisions they're making of you know whether to fight or flee or cause war or build community, and and I think um, to this day actually part of my preparation every time I get into that character is I still remember um, Carl coming up that hill. Uh, to me after I just killed one of the walkers that I'd laid a trap for um, and I haven't eaten in days and I haven't seen or talked to another human being in, in, in months. Um, and he comes up and, and offers before he even offers water, he offers his name, mm. which I thought was so beautiful. Um, Cause that's such a, you know, in this world of, of the walking dead to, to not even just, to, to not just say like, oh, here's some help for you, you know, go do your thing, but to say, this is who I am. My name is Carl. And then, you know, sort of Sadiq, you know, fell out of my mouth, which hadn't been said ever before and hadn't been said in a very long time. I think that human connection and that sort of grace and mercy um, is still a, a big part of how I slip back into into Sadiq every time. 
Yeah, and, and people ask me, you know, who I love, and, and my my number one character has always been Lenny James's Morgan, and then I love Eastman, and I love um, John Dory. I'm going to put Sadiq in that group of people because I feel like he's such a good human being. But before I kind of get there, when you get the role, you're reading for the role of quote unquote filthy man, right? Right when you first read, <laughs> and I, I got to say, I was doing research last night, and, and, and I was looking at alternative names names to people who didn't know it was Sadiq, right? One yeah. of them was the kid who gets Carl killed, right? Oh so, man! So you get the but you get the part, right? And um, I don't know. You read for Filthy Man. When they tell you you have the part, is it a feeling of accomplishment? I mean, you've done some other things before that, but what is your mindset after they say, you know what, we want you on board, we love the, we love what you can do with this character? How are you feeling at that point, obviously? You know, you know I, I wish the story went down how you just said, because that would have been great. What, what happened was I was living in London and went for a – a weekend sort of four or five day trip with, with my best mate who's Italian to his family house in Florence. And, and, you know, he brought his girlfriend and I brought my girlfriend and we had, you know, a bunch of friends from uni come join us. And, and we were there and I got this sent this self tape, you know, sort of, this is what always happens is you take a trip and you get sent an audition. So I got sent this self tape and I, I sort of looked at it and it said walking dead. And it was a character called Abood. I was like, all right, that's not a real word. I don't know anybody named that ever, um, but okay. And I looked at it and it was this, this very sort of long monologue, which is sort of the best, uh, you know, actors love monologues because we love to sort of, you know, selfishly hear ourselves talk, but then also realistically, we also, it, it gives you so much to play with, you know, and all these thoughts and it gives you a lot of food for trying to figure out who this person is. So I get this audition and I'm on this trip and I'm in Italy and I'm with all, you know, some of my best friends and, and eating, you know, making pasta and eating pizza and walking around Florence. And I really just don't want to do this audition. And so all my friends are like, you know, come on, like, we'll do the tape with you. We'll do this. And I'm like, just leave me alone. <laughs> like, I'm going to do it in a couple days. And, uh, uh, and my, my girlfriend at the time, um, she's this wonderful person named Ella and brilliant um, performer herself. She's a stand-up comedian. She, she was like, all right, I'll just do it with you. And I said, fine, let's just do it sort of twice. And so we went outside and I'd finally prepped and and we took the, we did the tape and we, we sent it twice and I didn't even have, you know, proper internet in Italy. And so I sent it to my agents via WhatsApp and and then, you know, we all got back to sort of making merry in the house and hanging out. And, and I guess the next day, um, so this was on a Wednesday. So I think on a Thursday, I get, you know, four missed calls from America. And I'm like, oh, God, what is this? And then, you know, we get, I sort of go into town and, and I'm able to get signal and call them back. And they say, you know, you got it. And I was like, I got, I got what, what, what is going on? <laughs> and, and they're like, all right, we need you to fly. I'm like, fly. I'm in Florence. What do you, what do you, what is happening? And it all happened so quickly. And next thing you know, um, you know, Saturday I got on a flight, uh, from Florence, Italy to Atlanta, Georgia, which I'm 99% sure that's not a direct flight. So I'm pretty sure I had a crazy layover somewhere. Right. Um, and then arrived Sunday, went to the hotel and, <laughs> and I get my sides on Sunday and instead of a boot, which I knew was a made up name, I'm now called filthy man. And I was like, really? 
And so I tell my friends, and they go, really? You actors will do anything. You will leave Italy, go across the world to play somebody called Filthy Man? And I was like, it is what it is, you know? And so, and so I shot the scene Monday, you know, as I didn't even know what my name was. So I, you know, in my mind, I was like, I guess I'm a boot and, and played as Filthy Man for Monday. And then Tuesday, I flew back to London. And so it was this, like, whirlwind of sort of mystery and excitement and, and you know, disappointment's not the right word, but a bit of a shock at going, oh, oh, actually I'm playing a guy called Filthy Man. And because honestly, you know, when I got the role, um, I was told, you know, it was two or three episodes. Um, and so I assumed, you know, Filthy Man was going to become Dead Man very soon. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm really happy. Um, you know, one of the, uh, that, that story's so much better than the one I had in my head. Um, one of the great parts about having a podcast is that occasionally I develop friendships with many of the actors or whomever I interview. And one of the actors that, that I interview uh, was an Asian-American. And one of the things he liked about The Walking Dead is that when he first saw Stephen Yen, he was so happy to see a character that was like him in just such a cool role. There was no stereotypical things about it. It was just such a... Such an much of the way that Black Panther is successful, right? Mm. You know, there's no stereotypes. The walking, like, there's Walking Dead as women that kick ass. You know, you don't have to be a certain background. It's, it's, it's what makes it special in my eyes. One of the major reasons is the diversity within the Walking Dead universe. Talk a little bit about that, Avi. Am I off on that? Am I reading too much into that? Um, oh, I, I, I think I agree with very much your sentiment there. I mean, I think The Walking Dead does a very good job of reflecting reality as it is, which is not stereotypes, you know? People of all shapes, sizes, and colors can kick ass and be big and small and, and, and sort of just because, you know, Sadiq is an Arab-American, but you don't hear him running around with a heavy accent sort of proclaiming, you know, jihad, which is what we too often see of Arab Americans in media, which is not true, you know. Right, right, right. Or, uh, or, or we see a character that resembles Apu from The Simpsons, which yeah, is, yeah. is just which insulting, is, yes, absolutely. Insane, right, and and I think I think that's a great part about being on this show is I get to, um, I get to sort of twofold uh, explore what being an Arab American means for him, um, because I think it is important, and I think one's background is important. Um, and for him, for example, you know, in season eight, we see very much like what uh, what the Quran means to him, and, and but more importantly, I think what his parents uh, mean to him. Yes, you know, and and how that sort of um, how I think in in an Arab culture, you know, respecting your elders and taking their memories forward is very important. And I think in season nine, we see you know him continue, you know, with, with that, uh, intact. Uh, and at the same time, I guess the other fold of the twofold is that we get to see, you know, uh, a young man in the apocalypse, just try to survive with all the things that, you know, someone who maybe had two years of medical residency and now does, you know, has been in the apocalypse for eight years, you know, or, or, or two, three, you know, whatever, however long it's been. Um, and how to how to handle that with no regard whatsoever to ethnicity or culture or, or sort of stereotype. Yeah, man, you are super well spoken. I totally agree with that. Uh, let, let me ask you this: so a lot of times I hear, "Oh, actors are people too." I get it, I get it. But you know what? When I when, when I imagine when somebody, I'm a, I'm a people. 
Hey, you are people and you're good people. Uh, but I got to imagine that when an Arab American or anybody that is of, of, of that background sees you or millions of people are watching you on a Sunday, that means so much to that kid. I mean, it means, it means so much to all the Walking Dead fans. I, you know, I'm not saying that. But to that one kid that connects with you, that is that 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 was maybe you twenty years ago. I mean, that's power. That's influence. That's what. That's the kind of stuff that teachers and educators have. That's when I see actors. That's the influence that I see. It's not so much being famous and so forth. I get that, but the power that you have to influence. That's what I love, Avi. That's the potential I see. Yeah, I I, I hope so, man. That um. That that I don't really have much to say about that. I think <clears throat> I think you said that very well, um, and that's very important. So 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 Sadiq is in a bad place when we see him, right? You know, he 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 he's kind of questioning Carl's intentions. You mentioned to Sadiq's parents, and I'm so happy you said this because Sadiq's mother says, "You know what? I I view it as when you kill them, you you know, you let their spirits out." Um, what is it that you want people to see when they see Sadiq? Well, what is it that you really want them to take away? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think very much it's it's what you said prior, which is for for certain individuals to realize that oh, this is me. You know, I think that's very. I think that's a very very powerful notion because it means that that I'm tapping into uh, the real humanity of someone out there. Mm. Um, but also, I, I think for people to see Sadiq as um, not as purely sensitive and gentle, but as someone who, who really is fighting to hold on to compassion in a world where, where that seems to be in very small measure. Um, and I think what's cool about season nine is we get to see him sort of really, really, really sort of uh, stand up and, and fight a bit for that. Oh, um, very cool. And, and make, his, make his intention known. And I think... Um, I also hope, uh, and it's hard to say because, you know, we're in the middle of making this right now and I don't know where the story is going to go, but I think also, um, it would be interesting to see, uh, him, Sadiq himself have to fight to keep his compassion intact. Um, because, you know, it's a great notion. It's a great idea to be compassionate in this world, but everyone has those moments where they go, is it really worth it? Um, and and I think that sort of internal battle is also uh, interesting. Mm. Is it overwhelming for you? Because you get this, you're on the show. I mean, you're you're thrust in the middle of this. You're on Talking Dead. You're you're in the middle of Kevin Smith and Melissa. I mean, is it? Are, do you have to catch your breath for a second? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I just just one foot in front of the other. That's that's what I try and do and then I you know everyone's people and they all uh oh, this is too crude to say on a podcast yeah one foot in front of the other <laughs> uh so I have I have a hypothetical for you and I spent probably too much time thinking but how would you feel towards Sadiq I want you to put yourself in Rick Grimes shoes knowing your firstborn gave his life so you could live you know it's very reminiscent to me of Luke Skywalker Obi-Wan you know Groot or or Yondo from the Guardians movie, Iron Giant, Terminator Two, all that. All it's the foundation of Christianity. How would you have felt towards Sadiq? I, I, I'm over the top with my thinking. I get it, but how would you have felt towards Sadiq if you were Rick Grimes? 
Oh, man. Um, oy, oy, oy. I, that's a hard pair of shoes to put myself into. Um, not the least of which because Andrew Lincoln is one of the greatest actors I've ever worked with, ever seen, ever, uh, you know, thought of, right. you know, as, as good as my imagination gets, he's, he's still better. Um, we're just talking hypothetically, right? We get, we get, yeah, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not, yeah, go ahead. Hypothetically, I think it, it, it matters what I knew. If, if I knew that, and this is what Carl does. Carl makes it known that he went out to help this guy of his own volition and shit happened. Mm. I think, I think I would have to, as Rick Grimes, um, I would have to, uh, I guess, keep Sadiq around for a minute to just see why. I would need to know why my son did this, mm. uh, and I, I, I would need to, I would need to understand from the person that was there when my son made the choice to come out and help someone why it happened, um, and if, if I guess that reason is you know, because of my son's compassion and because of my son being true to himself, then I think I just, I, I kind of, um, I kind of accept that. And then, um, uh, based on what, what Sadiq is like, I guess I, I don't know, in some ways bring him into my fold, mm. you know, I think, I think that's what I, I try to do for my crimes. Now that said, if I don't get to find out any of that information, I mean, I probably got to send him back out in the world because I can't even look at him. Right. All it does is remind me of my son. So it really matters um, on what I know. And I think, you know, we had great writing last year because Carl is able to let Rick know and Sadiq is able to let Rick know what happened and why it happened and, and how, you know, sometimes shit just happens. And it's not anyone's fault. Right. It's not Sadiq's. Sadiq didn't ask Carl to come help him, and 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 Carl went out on his own. And mm. it was no one's plan and no one's choice to to run into those walkers and for Carl to be bit. Um, and so I think once Rick understands all of that and he knows that Carl was acting as Carl acts, you know, uh, I think he then sort of accepts that and moves on. And and I think he sees. Um, I think he sees in Sadiq, or you know, if I was Rick, I think he could see in Sadiq um, many of those same qualities, and and I think it would make sense for him to to uh, not just allow him to stay, but to bring him into that family. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a great answer, man. That was a tough question, and you you really shined on that. And you know, you mentioned this. You know, there, he eventually, you know, he does trust Sadiq. He trusts her with Judith. He trusts, you know, after he slits Negan's throat, he's like, here, just deal with this, and. You know, there's there's a moment of pride where he pulls Sadiq aside and basically wants to know what happened. This is kind of what you said, and I think I think you could tell when Andrew Lincoln. There's you watch his face and he's almost proud of what Carl did. Is that is that a fair? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I think he's proud to know that his son, until his last breath, was true to himself. And yeah. I think you know, I think that's the boy he raised. You know. Yeah, yeah, it, man. Thank you so much for giving me this time. I have a few more questions for you. You're, you're really a, just a fun guy to talk to, man. I can talk to you forever. Uh, <laughs> um, so let me ask you. So 
it plays huge in the in the plot, right? What happens to Carl? But as an actor, do you? And I know it's not Sidney's fault. I get it's not it's not Avi's fault. But does is there any pressure there? I mean, I know that's how it's written. But is there a way for an actor to take that how everything unfolded in, in a way that is has pressure to it for you? What What do you mean by that? In what other words, so sure. like you know, your character is is you know, people weren't happy with Carl going, whatever, right? Do you, as an actor, is there? Does the plot ever carry over into your day to day, like how you handle things? Right? Does it? I wish it was a better sure. way to phrase it. Sure. I, I mean, I, I think I, I, I understand what you're asking. I mean, uh, I think the simple answer is no, because it's what what my job is as an actor is to play the story and to play the character and to find the truth in that, um, and to not be uh, concerned with, um, you know publicity, let's say, right? You know, that's, or, or, or with the way, you know, I'm not in control of the story. So it's the same. It's, it's sort of, I guess the, the flip side of that question is like, let's say, you know, there comes a moment as there often comes in Walking Dead where, you know, Sadiq meets his end. Uh, you know, I can't be upset about that as an actor. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. I can't speak that personally because that's, that's not my job. You know, my job is to, to play what happens and, and to, to serve the story. Cause the story is the most important thing at the end of the day, not, not me being Sadiq or me, you know, having feelings about what Sadiq should do and, and the way he should be perceived. What's, what's my job. My job is, is how do I help tell this story in the best way possible? Yeah. And I gotta say, you know, you're a fan of, of cinema. Clearly we talked about that. You know, what is it that eight, eight years go by in a row the Walking Dead has not only not won an Emmy, it has not even been nominated any actor. That is the biggest travesty I have ever seen in my life, Avi, as it applies to television. Oh man, it's, it's awful. Like, there's you're telling me that we go through, you know, uh, Andrew Lincoln, all these wonderful actors, you and what? It's there's not even one Emmy nomination. Like, it's, yeah, I mean, my I, my name definitely does not deserve to be thrown that hat. But between Lenny James, Andrew Lincoln, Denai, Lauren, you know, I mean, I name all of them. Everyone that I work with on this show, uh, they crush it and they blow it out of the water. And they're, you know, I mean, Josh uh, McDermott, one of the first things he said to me was like, you know, we we support each other on the show. And he's so right. You know, I'll see him. Not only is he a fantastic actor, but he will, you know, he will be there on set um, for other people's scenes on days that he's not even working. And he's not the only one to do that. And I think, you know, this show... Uh, cultivates and has cultivated and is supported by some of the best actors um i've ever had the privilege to work with so i don't know what this the emmy deal is you know i <laughs> yeah i I'm, i i have no idea but yeah. but in terms of just you know raw acting and support and family and generosity this show takes it home all the time yeah, and that's well said. You know, and, I, and I'm worried for you because being a doctor on The Walking Dead never ends well. So I'm worried for your safety. Well, well, let's, let's get it straight. You know, I have two years of medical experience, and <laughs> that's it. That doesn't make me a doctor. And there's, you know, as has been said, there's a bit of a time jump. And I'm sure, you know, I've been sharing that two years of experience with whoever I can. Uh, Avi, let me ask you, what is, how are Angela Kang and Scott Gimple the same? How are they different? Talk a little bit about that. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> how are they the same? Or are they different? I mean, they're both great 
writers, and I think they're great leaders. Um, I think Scott uh, very much uh, thinks about story in, in, in sort of more macro terms, and I think Angela is more focused on, on the interpersonal. Um, you know, I, I worked with Scott uh, a bit last year, but Scott also manages many, many, many things. Um, working with Angela this year is very different because, you know, her focus is strictly the walking dead. And so, you know, she's able to engage in, um, in a lot of dialogue with all of us actors. And, and I think she also really flourishes in that in, in trying to sort of give notes and take notes and, and help us understand where we're coming from in scenes and, and why we're doing this. And, and so, you know, I, I don't have words to sort of tell you the respect I have for both of them, but yeah, they, they work very differently, you know? Mm. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things I wanted to say to you was, you know, uh, Andrew Lincoln was not happy that his death was kind of revealed. What is it with people that they feel like they, people want to hear spoilers and they can't let the story unfold naturally? What, well, what is that mentality, Avi? Why do you think people do that? I, I don't, I don't know, to be honest. Um, uh, you know, I, I very much, feel for Andrew. I, I, I completely agree with him. I think it better serves the story and it better serves the fans um, to to just watch it unfold as it happens. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess part of the spoilers and everything is just kind of our age right now of wanting instant information at all times. You know, we have the the knowledge of all of humanity in our hands and so we just want to keep adding to that and keep clicking and keep seeing. But at a certain point, we need to realize that that is not—that's um, not really the best sort of part of humanity. I think. No, I agree. And one of the cool things is, man, you're you're going to your first Walker Stalker, right, in Orlando? I am in a couple weeks. Yeah. You, you excited, man? Talk about that. You, <laughs> Comic Con. You get to meet the fans. How do you feel about I'm, that? I'm very excited, man. I mean, I you know everyone has always said from the beginning of me being on this show. Um, that the fans are really what make this show. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to sort of see that for myself and experience that firsthand. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to expect. I, everyone's kind of told me about their experiences at Walker Stalker and at different conventions and it's, it's nothing but the positive, but it, it's definitely going to be one of those things that when I'm there and I experience it, I'll go, Oh wow, this is, this is what they meant. I finally understand this incredible, but, um, you know, we'll just have to see when that happens. Yeah, man, and, and this is the part of the show where I give you my email and you send me the season nine script. Now, are you going to be doing that PDF <laughs> file, or is that something you're just going to? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, how quickly do you want Sadiq to die? Because that's <laughs> one really fast way. <laughs> man, I got to tell you, Avi, I am a super fan, and 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 when I when I you talk to you, I, I become even more enamored with what you're about, your abilities, what you're going to do for Sadiq and, and the Walking Dead. I cannot thank you enough for being on the show, man. You're really a solid human being. Oh, I really, I really appreciate it, Derek. Thank, thank you for um, reaching out, and uh, I'm glad we could make it happen.